Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. Before we get to our guest this week, we want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and you'll get every new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. Also, be sure to download each episode and write a review in iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And if you feel super compelled and inspired by our guests, go ahead and share this on your social media network too. We'll wait. Okay, great. Thanks. Hey, everyone. On the podcast today, we have Jackie and Christine Battle. These two were a joy to sit down with and hear their story, their inspiration, and triumphs. Many of you may be familiar with Jackie from his time at the University of Houston and his career in the National Football League as a running back from 2007 to 2014. Others may be familiar with the battles, especially if you love the shop, since their store called Philanthropy opened in early 2017. Jackie and Christine shared their story of obstacles and opportunities while being in the NFL, how they pivoted into entrepreneurship once Jackie retired, and the lessons they learned thus far in that endeavor, and how their faith has guided them the entire way. Elizabeth's heart and my heart were filled with goodness after our conversation with Jackie and Christine, so we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jackie and Christine Battle. Jackie, Christine, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, We're excited uh, to have you on. Uh, Thank you for Having us in your home, this is exciting. Well, thanks for having us. I'm glad you are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank you. So I, I, I got to get this out of the way. We have two firsts on our podcast, all right? Uh, the first first uh, is that you're a duo. So first time we've had a duo yeah, on our oh, podcast. Cool, cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the second one. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the Ever, yeah, Everson Cooper podcast, Trailblazers, right here. Uh, and then the second is we're on location. So as I mentioned, we're we're in your house here. So thank, thank you all for, for coming all the way out here. Oh no worries. <laughs> Again. Thank you for having us. Thank you oh my gosh, us. you guys are super generous with your time, with your you know with your home. So thank you very much. Uh, so I want to get uh, so so our listeners uh, will probably know Jackie from you uh, from your time at University of Houston, football player there, eight years in the NFL. Uh, so they probably know that name if they're you know football fans. Uh, if our listeners. Our fans uh, or shoppers, uh, they probably know both of you, Christine and uh, Jackie, with uh, your new business. Or, well, it's not much new anymore. It still feels new. Yeah. It still feels <laughs> new. <laughs> still feels yeah. new. <laughs> uh, but uh, philanthropy, uh, you guys uh, opened a location, a retail location in the Woodlands. Uh, and that's kind of where I want to start. I want to start, you know, present day, what you guys are doing. Um, I, you know, I know a little bit about your story, but certainly you guys will be able to tell your story better than no one wants to listen to me tell your story. So philanthropy, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the store, what's, what's its purpose, what's its mission, but then also what inspired y'all to want to open a philanthropy store? Okay, well, yeah, you can answer. (laughs) Okay, Um, well, my husband retired from the NFL. We just, uh, we've always been really bold in our faith and just very kingdom driven. And so we just took two years off. Uh, I remember Jackie 
telling me um, right when he retired, I don't want to talk about what I'm doing after football for a year. Come on, at least a year vacation. Yeah. So, that's right. Yeah. Anyways, after a year, we just went ahead and started praying about what we were going to do. Um, we didn't know what that looked like, but we just wanted to continue to be bold in our faith. And so we were just um, consistently praying, and we just, philanthropy kind of fell in our laps, and um, we just loved the concept of the boldness in their faith. So the store is a women's clothing boutique, and we sell home goods and chandeliers and a little bit of everything. It's just so beautiful, and um, we just absolutely love it. But the mission behind it is yeah. what really got us excited. Mm-hmm. So right smack dab in the center of our store, we have a chapel. So customers can come in there and pray. And write what, well, they can write out their prayers and praises. Uh, we're very bold in that, so we open our store in prayer, mm-hmm. and we pray with our customers. So. We just absolutely love to be able to connect and be that light for people that walk through our doors. And just, you know, if we can be that encouragement for them, you just never know whose life you're going to touch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we just get excited about that and the ministry behind philanthropy and just being able to partner with different local nonprofits and um, just giving a portion of our proceeds back to mm-hmm. the community. And everything that we do and every partnerships that we make are all local to Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. So. Talk about that, because I know um, you guys have, um, like, some shirts and things that you do specifically with some of those partnerships. Sure. Talk about some of those partnerships and what sure. that means and what the shirts are for. And yeah, so we have stuff. a whole wearable compassion line. So each of those shirts, do you want to talk about that a little bit? No, you go ahead. Okay, so each You're of those rolling. shirts are designed for a specific <laughs> initiative. Mm-hmm. So we um, got to pick those specific nonprofits that we wanted to partner with, and we're just super excited about all of them. We... Um, you know, we have a shirt for military, human trafficking, natural disaster, cancer, um, and we've partnered with different nonprofits such as Green Zone Housing, and I love them. I'm a history major, so um, they're uh, our military initiative, and they take homeless vets in and give them shipping um, containers, and they make them the project managers of building their own homes up. So they get to, they're taught welding skills and carpentry skills. And so that's just amazing. And they all live in this community in Conroe, right? In Montgomery. In Montgomery. So I just, you know, just that gets us excited. That's really beautiful. I love that. Now, how did you first come across philanthropy? When we lived in Nashville, so when my husband, his last two years out of the eight years that he played, were with the, um, he was with the Tennessee Titans. And so the flagship store um, is right outside of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. And I just love the store. It was. And I had no idea what philanthropy was. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a philanthropy. I'm like, what's that? And so I, so I go online. We get to talk about Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, but the cool thing, the funny thing is, was I went online to that website and it didn't show products. There was no clothes. There was no products on it. And I was really confused, but it piqued my interest. I was like, like what What kind of boutique is this? <laughs> They're not selling any products online. They're Bible verses. Yeah, it was just, they talk about their mission. You can see the heart of the company was 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 about the ministry aspect of it. Um, and that's what I fell in love with because I know I know nothing about selling women's clothes, obviously. Um, but I fell in love with the, the ministry behind it. So I flew out to I flew out to Nashville and met with the owner of the the flagship store. I say flagship; she was just this one little boutique at the, at the sure. time. And um, I kind of got to see her heart, the heart of the company, and I fell in love with it. Um, I didn't even care what the product was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't care. And um, yeah, we prayed and and we we felt God this was this was in His plan. So we opened up about a year later after my initial um, flight out to Nashville. Yeah, yeah. So so certainly very purpose driven. Oh, no doubt. Product was secondary. You're like, look, I I'm on board with the whole mission of this, the whole yeah. purpose of this. Um, whatever the product is, completely secondary. And I think I think that's incredible 
I think you have to have that for to be a successful business. So whatever you're doing, you have to have that purpose. You have yeah. to have that mission. Yeah. And so kind of already starting out, you're like, look, I don't really care what the product is. I love exactly. you know, the reason that we're doing this. That's awesome. So it was either that or Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah. Right, fair enough. Yeah. And my brother owns a chick. And then I heard it was yeah. harder to get a Chick Fil A than it was to play in the NFL, and I was like, okay, I'm not going through that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so so talk about that year in between. All right, um, you, you certainly you, you talked about you know you're praying, you're really relying mm-hmm. on your faith. What did you do in terms of? Did you know that you wanted to go into business, or you're like, man, it's a blank slate? Like, I don't even know what's on my horizon. No, it was well, or our horizon. I, should say. I felt like it was a blank slate, but I did know that we wanted to. We, we whatever we did, we wanted to own our own. Company. Yeah, we want. We wanted to. We wanted to be entrepreneurs. We wanted to own our own business. Um, we didn't want to work for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a blank slate. I mean, during that year off, I mean, we always said we were the busiest unemployed people you ever meet. I mean, because we, we we were. Yeah, we we served we so in all kind of areas. Yeah, so. small groups, Bible study. Yeah, it was, we were we were doing a lot, but at some point we were like, we got to start making some money. I mean, mm-hmm. NFL money is great, but it don't last forever. Sure. You know what I mean? So, but when when we saw the concept of philanthropy, it was a perfect combination of our hearts for God with the ministry and entrepreneurship together. It was just like the perfect combination. It was something we both could do together. Um, I fell in love with the ministry aspect of it. She loves it as well, but then the fashion part. Um, yeah. I mean. Look at her. Oh I mean, my fashion. <laughs> yeah, so, so it just it, it was just it, it it just made sense. Yeah. Well, and I think the really neat thing too is that women often turn to fashion to make themselves feel good about you know you feel good when you're dressed up and when yeah. you're put together and the fact that they can go to your store and not only find that but also be encouraged and you know we're all walking through different things and yes. we often don't talk about that and to no. be able to come in there and reflect and write your prayers up on the wall and then be prayed with I mean that is totally beautiful and just getting that encouragement so now you're leaving not just with a fabulous dress or a great sweater or whatever it is but you've also been encouraged as a person and I think that that is so crucial in what we're doing and just in our everyday life to just keep us going, keep us connected. You never know what people are walking Yeah, you know, it's funny you talk about being encouraged. Like, we went in, it's funny how I was super humble because we went into it with the perspective of like, man, we're going to be able to impact this community and serve and da-da-da-da. But something, it kind of, I felt like um, I was the one getting encouraged a lot of times, but it wasn't by people praying for me. What happened was, you know, the woodlands, you kind of have this stigma of the woodlands. I don't know if y'all are familiar with the stigma. So I'm from, I'm from humble. I'm thinking the woodlands. I'm like, Oh, these people are all, you know, snooty and da, da, da. they got perfect lives. And then you go into this community and with this mindset, and then I get to see these people come in just vulnerable, everything stripped away and, um, having these conversations and praying for people that they look perfect on the outside. And it kind of changed my perspective on people in general. I mean, you see people walking down the street, you're like, Oh, they got their stuff together. Sure. I have many a customers come into our shop that look like they have their stuff together. You see them writing a prayer on that wall, and I go over and say, hey, can you mind if I pray for you? And they just start crying before I even know what to pray over. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are broken, mm-hmm. and they just want to know that somebody cares mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, we all walk through things. Oh, yeah, yeah. People walking through, you know? And it's just to be that light and to be that encouragement to one another. We need that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, good for you guys for for doing that. Uh, you guys are incredibly genuine about it too. You you're it doesn't seem at, at any you know point where you're like no you know we're just going to say this because this is philanthropy's mission. But we really we just want to make a bunch of money. 
I mean, you guys are super genuine about that. So, Thank you know, you. So good for you guys. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know that you guys already have a, an impact, a huge impact in the community, and you're going to continue to do that. So I'm I'm excited for what is you know what you guys are going to continue Appreciate to do. It. Um, so, what have y'all? What have you learned? Being now, you know, just about two years in, when you first started, what was the idea that you had? Like, oh man, we're gonna rock this, and then like maybe two months later, you're like, oh dude, that's not even what I thought. <laughs> this isn't even going anywhere. What I <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you say that. So we go in with the mindset of, like I just said, like man, we're gonna like serve the community, and we're gonna do this and that and that, and, and you kind of forget, like we got to run a business. Like this is still a business, and we know nothing about business. So there's a, yeah. So it's just a lot of learning, sure. continual learning, continual growth, and uh, yeah, we completely didn't even think about the business after. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Um, I but yeah, it's what it, were that's we thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's been great. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, yeah. What uh, do you have any specific examples of like some of the obstacles that y'all might have overcome? Like, man, I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad we had that experience. I'm really glad we went through it, but I don't want to do that again. Um, well, I can't really pinpoint. Well, I can, but it's it's stuff that's out of our control, like Harvey coming through. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's something that, you know, we couldn't control that. Um, but outside of that... When we first opened our store, it was real funny. Jack was like, you know, I'm going to do all the back and stuff. You're oh, gonna yeah. You're going to be the face of the store. And he is the face uh-huh. of the store, and <laughs> I'm Speedy Gonzalez in the back. Yeah, and we, so our yeah. roles, like, just going into it completely changed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's, it's true. When I went in there, there's Jackie, like, rocking the store and helping everybody. <laughs> yeah. and I just, never saw that coming. Yes. Yeah, but it's it wonderful. He's so great at that. And you have no idea, but, you know, he's an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so he just, you know, he just is amazing there. Well, yeah, well, I was just telling you, like, we, it's like I said, it's continual growth. So I'm a natural introvert. So, man, being in front of people all day, every day is really tiring. And the one thing I did, I had to kind of perfect my people skills because I really don't have any. I mean, I, you know, I had to start reading books, how to win friends and influence people. Yes. Uh, the Great seven book. habits, yeah, the, the seven book. habits of highly effective people. I started reading all these books. Um, and just to kind of get my confidence up um, because, you know, playing in the NFL, people wanted to be in my circle. They were always trying to get close to me. And now I'm the one actually having to be out front and, and to kind of, I don't want to say control the, the conversation, but. I mean, we are in sales, I guess you can call it. Sure. Um, but I'm having to really hone in on my people skills yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's certainly an art, and I think it's something that good entrepreneurs are always working on. Yeah. I think there's very few people that are really just, they've got it down, and they don't even have to think about it or, or read about it and, and really reflect on how that how to make that a part of who they are and, mm-hmm. and how they run their business. So, yeah. I think the constant learning, and it sounds like you guys really have the desire and the and the grit to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a, a podcast once from Marie Forleo, and she has this whole thing about how everything is figure outable, and you guys have really embodied that. You're like, okay, we started this franchise. Now what? I don't know anything about business. I don't know how to be a people person. I don't know how to run a store. Yeah. You, I mean, a man running a woman's clothing boutique is very rare. Like, yeah. you're figuring <laughs> out all these things, yeah. and you're totally rocking it. Yeah. So, you would never know that you didn't know how to do all the things that you're doing. Well, thank you. That's a, a big compliment. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. 
So how did working together? So you kind of alluded to it. You're like, you know, you thought you were going to be the face of the company. Jackie was going to be behind the scenes, and it kind of flipped. So talk a little bit about your relationship and how each of you might complement. You know, the other person like, wow, okay, I know I don't like to do this, or I'm not naturally good at it. But this person, but you know, Jackie, you might not be good at one thing, but Christine is amazing at it, and so you you, uh, you compliment each other. Talk a little bit maybe about sure. that. Sure, it's I think it's amazing <clears throat> because honestly, in areas where I'm weak, he is strong, mm-hmm. and vice yeah. versa. You know, and I'm so not weak we... in too many areas. no but I feel like we're really great at like complimenting each other and I feel like just over the years of just knowing him for so long um, we've just really grown to just know what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are yeah because that question somebody asked us that before um, and I always tell people like what people don't realize is as a young couple we had two years of just being around each other when I retired we were together 24-7 that's Most not, people never experience yeah, that. Sure, sure. Um, I think that was God kind of getting us ready getting us for this ready. for this venture because uh, people are like, man, you work with your wife. How do you do it? You're with her 24-7. I'm like, man, I build my it's wife amazing. 24-7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even during off-season, though, we were together for five, six months out of yeah, the year, yeah. just 24-7 yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And we love life. Yeah. Good for you. I, and I think that's a great relationship to have. I would like to think Elizabeth and I are similar I mean, I might go out of town, you know, for business or whatever, and she's like, "When are you coming back? When yeah. are you coming back?" I and I like, I love that. I because I love to come back home, and like, we're both excited. I mean, you know, we've been married for five years at this point. Uh, y'all still in the still, honeymoon phase, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so we still have you know that excitement. No, that's great. And so I think working together. I think if you didn't want to do that, it definitely would be more contentious. But like, no, like we want to be together, yeah. so we do want to work together. Uh, so Elizabeth and I can definitely empathize, or I guess empathize isn't the right word for that, but we can relate to that yeah. because awesome. in our office, <clears throat> our desks are like right next to each other. And so <laughs> the only thing we really kind of had to figure out when we first started, when she started working from home and I was already working from home, was when someone would call on the phone and one of us is already on the phone, we're like, all right, like they're going to hear something in the background. See, so, you know, all right, we got to like yeah, excuse yeah. ourselves, that's go to the dining now. room or yeah. whatever. But I mean, really, other than that, that's like the only thing... We weren't like, oh my god, I'm tired of you being around here. Yeah. I need my space. Like, oh, we're, we, so we love yeah, it. Yeah, we never uh, went through that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's a great example for your kids too to see. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, actually, um, to actually to make a little bit of a segue into football, um, I remember Lou Holtz actually said something was really profound. Was, I, I remember him saying this when I was like really you know young because I didn't quite you know get it. But he said um, one of the best examples that he could do or one of the best things he could do as a, as a coach, as a leader, as a parent, uh, as, a, as a husband was show his kids, show his family that he loves his wife yep. and that that's he right. loves the mother of his children. And so I think that's a great example that, that you guys are setting you know, for your kids. Like, look, man, mom and dad love each other. They love working together. Okay, that, that's setting an example mm-hmm. for us. That's Definitely. something for us to, you know, to strive for. So, man, you guys are awesome. Thank I, you. For I do want to share that Shaq hates when I brag on him. <laughs> but um, when he, you know, when he would come home after his long days and nights in football, he would just be so physically and mentally exhausted. And I remember him just coming home and, you know, I don't know if you would look at a stop sign or, you know, whenever he pulled onto the street, he went from... Um, into dad mode yeah. and he was just that for you know even if he exhausted all of his energy he would come home and he, you know it would just click and he was dad to yeah. London and Justice well you know 
we wear different hats. Sure. I mean, okay. and so that's what I did. I had a, a checkpoint when I, when I was driving home from, from practice or from work. I was like, okay, I got to take my football hat off mm-hmm. and put my dad and husband hat on. And um, because uh, the one thing I did was I was like, I'm not bringing my work home with me. And I'm not going to let the emotions of things that happen at work affect things that happen at home. Yeah. So I, I literally had to, and that's the cool thing about being a man, we can compartmentalize you know, things in our head. Women, it's just like everything kind of runs <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> they do. If you're mad about something, I mean, it all kind of, you know, we're wired completely differently. Men, we can literally take this and it's in a different box. Um, yeah. That's So that's one of the cool things about being a guy. You I mean, most guys can do that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're just so thankful. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good quality to have because, I mean, playing, playing sports, playing in the NFL, of course, I can't relate to that. Uh, but I mean, it is, it's incredibly physical, you know, emotionally, you know, you take a toll because you have to put every single, you know, every single thing into it. Um, and so, yeah, being able to compartmentalize that, I think makes, you know, for a great parent, great, you know, great spouse, great leader. Uh, so that's, that's a great quality that you have. And, and thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, sorry if that, that embarrasses you, <laughs> but I think that's a great quality to share. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so I do want to make the transition a little bit to you know, revert back a little bit to talk about, um, you know, your time, you know, in the NFL and not just about, you know, telling stories and, and whatever, but like, how did that prepare you for where you are now? How did that prepare you for you know, being a parent, you know, for being, you know, a leader, for being you know, a business owner? Um, <clears throat> talk about some of the things that you learned in your time, uh, you know, there. Um, well, I'll back up to when I first started playing um, in the NFL. I was an undrafted free agent. Yep. So immediately I was like, uh, you know, you're like a walk-on. I don't know what most people know what an undrafted free agent is. I didn't get drafted. Yep. Um, some team just picked me up just to use me as like a, a practice dummy during training camp. And um, when I got there, I knew what they brought me in for, but I told myself I was going to make myself uncuttable. Mm-hmm. So... I became a student of the game and what I did was I didn't just know what I was supposed to do in my position. I knew what everybody was supposed to do that way. If they needed somebody for anything, I knew I can, if they said, Hey, we need another linebacker. I can just jump in. It's another opportunity for me to showcase what I got. Mm -hmm. And what it did was I made myself really valuable Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And it's it's all about adding value. The more value you can add, Mm -hmm. I mean, the more successful you're going to be. So that's what I did on every team I was on. I was like, I'm going to add as much value as I can to where if they cut me, it's going to take three guys to replace me. Yeah. And that's what I did. And same thing transitioning into owning our, owning our business. Like I said, I had to read a lot just to understand get people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to be I'm becoming, I'm still becoming a student of this mm-hmm. game. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't know anything about business. I'm learning it. <laughs> I don't know anything about talking to people. I'm learning it. Um, but that's one of the biggest things is be- becoming a student of perfecting my craft. Right. I guess that's what I want to say. Yeah. Um, I perfected my craft when I was in a league, and I'm working on perfecting my craft now. That's huge. And that's such a beautiful quality to have. And it's neat how you know you were in a position that perhaps – I don't know how you felt about being an undrafted free agent – but you were like, I'm not going to let this stop me from mm-hmm. what I want and from my dreams. I'm going to do the complete opposite and, to your point, perfect your craft and be irreplaceable. Be, you know, just so valuable to your organization and your team and all the people that you're, you know, you all have common goals. So let's be an awesome mm-hmm. contrib- con- contributor to that. 
and I think it's clear that you're doing the same now as a business owner just personally and then in the community too and that's a huge skill to have that I don't know if it is always recognized and that's just that's tremendously valuable yeah yeah thank you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about <clears throat> just the amount of persistence amount of just determination that it took and so you, you mentioned and I, and actually I, I've got uh, a little silly quiz for you um, okay. coming up um, don't don't worry. Uh, <laughs> uh, no no no. I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an incredibly uh, curious person. Of course, I'm a huge sports fan and and statistics or whatever. I, I love statistics, but nonetheless, I digress. Um, to to be to play in the NFL for eight years, and especially being an undrafted free agent. I mean, the odds against the odds are stacked against you. Uh, I mean, there, there are people that are drafted in the first second round that don't last eight years in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so for our listeners, just to understand the context of playing in the NFL for eight years, especially a running back playing in the NFL. The average for a running back is 2.8 years. Yeah. So you're four times that. Wow. Pretty much four times that. And so there has to be a lot of just persistence and determination and dedication that had to go into that. So talk a little bit about, you know, year in and year out, the challenges. Uh, I know that you, you, uh, you started out with the Dallas Cowboys and I mean, you only you were with them for what a couple months, you know, yeah. basically through training camp, and then you were picked up by the Chiefs. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that and how that worked in your relationship too. Of when you are, are told that from the Cowboys, and then you know, you might tell you have to tell Christine like, hey, it's not going to work out with the Cowboys. So talk a little bit about that, the ups and downs, the challenges, the amount of persistence and determination that it took. So um, I think the main thing is going into something like that, um, being undrafted. And you hear it all, t- all the time in entrepreneurship is your why. Mm-hmm. I mean, your why is your driving force. And, I mean, I had a pretty big why when it, to get into the league. I mean, I, it was one of those things where nobody believed in me. Um, I was all about, and it took, a, it took a while, but I was all about proving people wrong. That was my thing. Um, and then I heard something kind of profound one day. It was like, man, we spend so much time trying to prove people wrong. Why don't you prove people right? The ones that believed in you, prove them right. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, a lot of stuff's all about perspective. When that kind of flipped, I was like, man, I, I'm going to prove my mom right. I'm going to prove my brothers right. I'm going to prove my family right. And that's that's kind of the mindset I went went in with. And going to the Cowboys, I got I got hurt. Fluke accident, got hurt. They ended up cutting me. Thought it was over. And I was laughing when you were asking a question because I had a... Uh, I came back from, from Dallas and kind of... I was talking to Christine. I was like, you know, undrafted free agent. If you get cut, that's usually it. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went, she was working at Sunglass Hut in, uh, in Macy's at the time. So I got a job with her. I went in there. I worked there for one day. I was like, this ain't for me. I was like, no. I was like, Little no. did you know you were going to open a retail like, store later. I was like, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I cannot do this. And it's funny because I have Christine's sister. For some reason, she kept my little name tag. Macy's name tag had my name on it. And I keep it on my mirror. In my bathroom. This is like a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just keep it there. But uh, after after I, I left that Macy's job, I was like, I got. I'm gonna make this football thing work. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna go all out. I'm devoting everything to it. So I hit. I started rehabbing. Rehab super hard. I mean, I, I came back really quick, and uh, the Chiefs picked me up at the very end of the season. It was like three. I want to say three games left in the season. No, it was six games left in the season. I was on practice squad for the first three weeks I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, when I got in, I showed extreme value. Yeah. And they ended up activating me um, with three games left in the season. And um, they put me in on a goal line play. I scored my very first carry in the NFL. Very first time I touched the ball in the NFL, I scored a touchdown. 
And awesome. you, but you know it's funny because I was like, man, I'm gonna be a Hall of Famer. That was easy. <laughs> one for one. I was like, yeah. I was like, man, I, I can do this. Um, but you know, <laughs> that didn't happen. But you know, I came back and then the following year I was up and down. They cut, they cut me, brought me back, cut me, brought me back um, multiple times. And I say cut me, they put me on practice squad. Sure. I was up and down from practice squad to the active roster. I think I want to say probably four or five times. Um, that second year. Was it? Yeah, probably four or five times. They just kept cutting me and putting me on practice squad and bring me back. Um, they didn't want to let me go because I, I, I added that value. Yeah. And um, sorry, <laughs> but then um, something happened. Um, the, the start running back at the time, Larry Johnson, ended up getting hurt. And they always say, "Hey, you're one play away," and that's what happened. Larry Johnson got hurt. I got moved up to the active roster pretty much permanently. I found my niche. I, I, I saw an opening on special teams, and I became the guy, the go-to special team guy. Mm-hmm. And that was basically my role throughout the most of my NFL career. Be like the number one special team guy on every team I was in, but also I was able to play fullback. I was able to play tight end. I was able to play running back. I made it to where you couldn't cut me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what made me stick around for so long. Yeah. Yeah, you added the value. And so then you had an, a, a, an opportunity to take it to the next level to add the value, not only on the practice squad, but now you're on the active roster. Like, look, man, you know, special teams would be the best guy there. Yeah. And, then, and another thing happened after that. When I was with the Chiefs, um, probably three years later, um, Jamal Charles was our starting running back. He ended up getting hurt. And at the time, it was three of us rotating at running back to try to replace Jamal Charles. And uh, Jamal went down, and then they put me in on a critical fourth and one play. I don't want to get into football too much. I don't know if a lot of people would talk to us or no, can relate. No, no. But it was a critical fourth and one. And we were, it was in the fourth quarter. We were down by, um, like, two touchdowns or something. Critical fourth and one. Since I was the biggest back that was left on the roster, I was like, well, let's just put Jackie in. <laughs> so I get in there, get nine yards on that fourth and one. And they were like, well, just leave him in. So I, I go down there and lead the drive down there, score a touchdown. They leave me in the rest of the game. They named me the starting running back the next week. So, and I say that because I saw my opportunity and I took full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have to try that, that that was my biggest thing. Anytime I saw an opportunity, I was going to take full advantage of it because I never knew when they were going to come around. Mm-hmm. It took me four years to get that opportunity. And that's what extended my career another four years. From then on out, I wasn't just looked at as a special teams guy. I was looked mm-hmm. at as a, like a possibly number one or number two running back in yeah. NFL. And that's what I was for the rest of my career. Yeah. Taking advantage of one carry mm-hmm. completely changed my career around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but taking advantage of opportunities is big. Yeah, you never know where they're going to come from. Yeah. And so when you have that opportunity, you you got to go for it. And you, and you you know that you have to have been preparing for it, and you were. You, oh, you yeah. spent all the time preparing yeah. for it. You, know, you said um, after uh, you were you were cut from Dallas uh, you know, with the injury. You're like, look, I'm, I'm devoting everything that I can to this. So you are already preparing for that opportunity yeah. to take advantage of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and again, the cool thing is, like, I'm a big believer that if you want something, you have to, like, put forth the energy and you have to, like, put it out there in the universe. Like, let the universe know you're serious. That, like, this is what I want. This is right. what I'm going after and I'm going to fight for it. And it doesn't matter if I keep going back and forth from, you know, practice squad to being on the roster. I'm going to keep pushing and going. And you've proven that that... That's what makes you persistent. That, mm-hmm, made you mm-hmm. successful and made you invaluable. And I'm sure that you see that 
translate into your business with philanthropy and the ups and downs of being a yeah. business owner. And, you know, to your point, when you, there's things like natural disasters, you know, you can't control that, but you just keep pushing instead yes. of going, oh gosh, we can't do yes. this. We're going to close the store. Right. Heck yeah. no. You're going to just no. figure out how to keep going and you're going to keep being open and keep being there and letting people know that you mean business and that you're going to be there for them. And yep. I think that's, that's awesome. Right. Well, and, and creating the energy moving towards something, you may not necessarily know exactly what it is. And I think you guys did a great job of that when you stopped playing and you were like, look, I just want a year off. But then you just mentioned we were like the busiest unemployed people <laughs> because you weren't just sitting around saying, well, something will come to me. Y'all may not have known exactly what it was, but you were moving towards yeah, something. No doubt. And so I think that's when the opportunity you know came, you're like, okay, yeah, we know we want to do this and we're prepared to start. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I think you know, doing that, having that that quality is, is fantastic. All right, so before we transition off of football, because yeah, if you, if you know, we don't have to talk you know everything about football. And it's obviously with you guys already getting to know you, there's more to life for you guys than football. You know, obviously you know creates a lot of opportunities for you, but there's definitely a lot more. But okay, so uh, being an undrafted free agent. I was I was really curious, so I started you know hunting and, and, and pecking and whatever Wikipedia. So I was curious if you it's knew. Favorite. Yeah, I was curious if you knew. Uh, so the first question was, how many running backs? Did, did you know how many running backs were drafted in 2017? Don't know. Okay. Right. <laughs> so there, and this is this certainly is not a slight on you or any yeah. of the other guys because I'm getting to a point. 18, okay. 18 running backs were selected in you know, seven rounds of the NFL draft. 18 were selected. In 2014, eight years later, do you know how many of those running backs are still playing? No. There's only five. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And two of them, Adrian Peterson and Marshall Lynch, first round draft picks. Jeez. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So so putting context on an eight year NFL career and again, how much persistence and determination it takes. I mean That blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so good for <laughs> you. <laughs> no idea. So yeah, so I didn't even know yeah. Marshawn Lynch was in my draft class. That's so much I paid. Yeah, yeah, two thousand. <laughs> I knew Adrian Peterson. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, yeah. Marshawn Lynch, and then you know a bunch of guys. So actually, Pierre, Pierre Thomas was an undrafted guy. Oh yeah, he yeah. was still in the league when you were there, but okay. he wasn't drafted. Yeah, so, I mean, he was like you. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he had a, has a great story. Just no, no doubt, there. he has to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so transitioning out of out of football a little bit, I I read that you had a chance to. Uh, go to Wharton, the Wharton Business School. Yeah. Um, which, if, if anyone knows, Wharton Business School is one of the premier business schools, not only in the country, but in the world. I mean, presidents, Rhodes Scholars, you know, yada, 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 had, you know, have gone to, to, to the business school. Talk a little bit about your time there. How was that experience? What did that add to you? Um, you know, just talk a little bit about that, that experience. Um, the crazy thing is, I didn't know how big Wharton was or how famous or how prestigious it was when I went. But the NFL offers different programs to help guys transition out of NFL. And um, you know what? Let me back up a little bit because this is something that's kind of cool. So whenever I was playing, I was undrafted free agent, and um, I felt like every day could have been my last day. Because sure. I've seen – when I was with the Chiefs, they had a part of the locker room that was just practice squad guys. Everybody else, the rest of the team was on one side. Practice squad guys, were on, we had our own little section. And every single week, you'd walk in on a Tuesday. That was cut day. It'd be those lockers would be cleared out, and they'd have a whole. They bring a whole other basically practice squad in because they want they want a scout team to match the team we're playing that week. So they bring like a whole different set of players in. Some teams do it that way. The Chiefs is one of those teams. Mm-hmm. But every week, I was the only one that had those. That was a constant. 
But I, but that made me like, man, I could be gone at any moment. <laughs> so I took full advantage of all the extra stuff the NFL offered. They offered um, internships while I was playing. I took internships every summer. Did. I did. Um, I took all the all the classes they offered. And matter of fact, Wharton was one of the classes. One of the things they offered was um, that an entrepreneur pro, entrepreneurship program, and they'd go to different colleges. And to be honest with you, the main reason that I wanted to go to the Wharton one was because we got to go to like. Uh, it was in Silicon Valley, so I got to go to mm. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Google, and so I got to you know be in that. I was like, man, this is crazy. So I got to actually like see all you this stuff. You need to share with them what the one thing they all had in common was the biggest like sound advice that they could give you. Oh, they all said don't hire family. <laughs> 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 yeah, they were like don't hire family. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Um, you know, I took a lot away from it. The biggest thing was like I said, don't hire family. We haven't, <laughs> but. Uh, it could happen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's it's come up and we're like, hey, they said don't hire family. Um, <laughs> you got to follow the rules. It's fine. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things is that they kept talking about you have to be innovative and you have to have a niche. That's right. And that's exactly, whenever philanthropy kind of got brought up, I was like, man, this fits that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a niche. It's mm-hmm. we're, we're not just about selling clothes. We're mm-hmm. something different. We, okay. We're a destination where people want to come in. They feel a different presence when they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we have customers that come in, don't even, they're not in their shop. They're just there to talk. Bring us coffee. And yeah. Like, can I buy you Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's yeah. so sweet. But it's just a completely different atmosphere. It's, it's not, I don't know any other retail store you can walk into and you're going to have that kind of experience. People yeah. called us. A lot of customers. Oh, during Harvey. Yeah, they, yeah, we had a lot of customers calling, checking in on us. And... Oh, wow. Yeah. That's but awesome. with Wharton, that, that was the biggest thing I took away with, from it was be innovative and, and have a niche. And it was crazy because there was a, a lot of guys that were kind of already um, in the tech field that were currently playing. And uh, one guy, I can't remember his name, he played for the Dolphins. He, 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 pres- he was presenting an app to all these different companies. And they were like, man, it's cool, but it's not innovative. There's already stuff out there like that. And then I was like, and w- whenever I heard that, because this guy had been working for like three years on this app, and nobody took him on his pitch. He pitched it to all these companies. It was something that everybody had and I was like we have to do something different um, so when we do do a business I want it to be kingdom driven I don't want to be I don't want to do a business the same as everybody else I want us to be mm-hmm. against the grain doing things completely opposite of everybody else and having that niche so that's that that trip actually kind of carved out where we are now yeah. to be honest with you now that I think back on it and reflect wow that's awesome that is very cool that's a great story I, I mean yeah it really sets up you know where you guys you know, are now, and really, I think a lot about what you're already preparing to do, and it kind of just helped manifest. A little yeah, bit. yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so <clears throat> played for four different teams: Dallas, Kansas City, San Diego, and Tennessee. And yeah, Tennessee. yeah. Okay. So I'm always curious. So, so we are not originally from Texas. Elizabeth is is from North Carolina. My family is from Iowa. I'm, you know, originally from Iowa. Spent time growing up in North Carolina. So I'm always interested in the different places that people spend time and what they meant to you, what you liked about them, mm-hmm. what you, you know, miss maybe about them or whatever. So the time that you spent in the different places, um, did you have a favorite place? Did you have like, oh, man, in Kansas City, I loved going to this Kansas place, City. you know, or of course, you know, I'm sure Tennessee, you know, philanthropy is, you know, has mm-hmm. a, an amazing place in y'all's heart already, obviously. Uh, so talk a little bit about the like, different different travels that you have. That, Kansas that you City have. was by far my favorite place. Yeah. If we didn't have, if we weren't just so rooted here with our family and our friends and just growing up here, 
I would live in Kansas. We would live in Kansas City. Yeah, they were like second family. Yes, yeah. yes. And we were there, you know, the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just fell in love with the community and the people mm-hmm. and the Hunt family um, they, who own the Chiefs. They're just such a sweet family. And they're the only team that we, that out of the other teams that we were on, that every week we'd go out as, you know, and they would fl- they would fly in from Dallas and we'd serve the community. And so they were just wow. really big on serving the community weekly. Wow. And so every week, yes, we would be doing something for the community. We got to um, uh, partner with Habitat for Humanity and build a home for this sweet family, single mom. And then we got to furnish it. So it was just oh amazing. And so That's there's... Cool. You know, saw, you know, um, Sam's Dream Drive and just different things. It was just amazing. The culture there was amazing, um, but the just having all four seasons, um, oh, yeah, which is amazing. I, I was would, like, oh, you know, it's seriously, not snow. and the food's good <laughs> yeah. there. I just loved it. I mean, it was just such a pretty area, and it was clean, and you know, just a great area to raise your family. Yeah. So, so, so each city. Um, I'll go back to Dallas. I remember when I first went to Dallas. We had training camp in San Antonio. And the Cowboys are America's team. I mean, they're big time. So I go there. I'm like, you know, it's U of H. We play in the high school stadium. So I go to um, to Dallas and training camp. There's like 30,000 people in the stadium for sure. practice. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, And then, like, I'm this undrafted free agent. Like, you know, I'm like nobody on the, on the Cowboys. And I'm like a celebrity just because I was, there, like, on the Cowboys. And I'm just like, man, this is crazy. I'm just out and about. And people getting my autograph. I'm like you don't even know who I am, but they didn't care. It's just, you're on the Cowboys. So the celebrity aspect of it was like, tripped me out in Kansas, in uh, Dallas. And then we just talked about Kansas City. San Diego. I mean, shoot, San Diego. Have you ever been to San Diego? We were just there a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, but that's not a place to live. It's sure. very expensive. Uh, and we always tell we always tell the story of just like going to buy baby food when London was a baby. Um, her little her little baby food was like eighty five cents here, and then we go up there. Dollar seven. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I, like, little, little... I wanted to go around knock on people's doors and just be like, so I just want to know, like, what do you do? What do you do for right. a living? You know, I'm like, seriously. I'm making NFL money. I can barely make it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do all these people do for a living? Um, but you pay for the weather. I mean, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, we loved it. Yeah, I loved I loved it. But like you said, it's it's different areas. People are different. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. We were used to Southern hospitality. Sure. You know, it wasn't the same thing out there. I mean, everybody's laid back, but it wasn't that, just you know, with, yeah. people just don't talk to people and have conversations. I was like, Lord, like, I know you have us here for a reason. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> just guide us while we're here. Yeah. And then Tennessee was similar to Kansas City. Um, same atmosphere. I love I loved Tennessee, too. Yeah. 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 Tennessee was amazing. So talk a little bit about you got towards your last two years in Tennessee. Talk a little bit about maybe the transition out. Um, did, did you know, like, look, all right, you know, did y'all have a conversation? All right, like, uh, I'm kind of ready, or, or because it's, I'm not, I don't know uh, how that is like. Yeah. When, when yeah. like, look, something that you did for so long provided a lot of opportunities, and then, okay, now we're going we're gonna to change. So what was that like, knowing that, or, or maybe not knowing uh, that that was going to be your last year? I kind of knew. knew. Yeah, I okay. kind of knew. knew. But what happened was, so, like I said, about halfway through my career, I made the transition to being labeled a running back. I was actually a running back. And um, Chris Johnson, um, they cut Chris Johnson, who was our starting running back, and he left. I don't remember where he went. He went somewhere else. So they drafted a guy, and, like, he was the first running back taken. They took the first running back. And 
um, they moved me to fullback full time, which I didn't mind filling in at fullback, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to play that full time because it was. I mean, as far as I mean, I was getting older. Things were already hurting and taking. It was taking longer for me to recover. Sure. And then you want me to get in there and do something more physical. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that for my, my last year. And towards the end, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Um, and they wanted to sign me back as a fullback. And I said, the only way I'm coming back is if I can either just play special teams or um, play running back as well. I'm not just playing fullback. Well, they were like, well, we need you as a fullback. And then I was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting too old. I got two kids. I'm not going to put that kind of toll on my body sure, but sure. if I don't have to. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the reason why I stepped away. Yeah. Um, but I, I still kept my options open because I still trained. When I first got out, I was still training for probably – I probably trained for three or four months until the season ended. Um, I, I, still, I still kept in shape. I still kept in shape during, during the whole uh, off season. Just in case somebody did want me just to come in and play running back, but I had already made that transition to fullback. I was looked at as a fullback. Um, I was already labeled a fullback. Teams wanted me to play fullback, and I was like, "No, I'm I'm done." Sure, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Now, what was that conversation like? Did, did you have a moment where both of y'all were like, "Okay, we know, and, and we're good." Um, yeah, I think so. I think I was at a point where I'm like, "I still want. I want you to get out when you, you know, still at, healthy. A, at a point where you're healthy, yeah, and yeah. I, you yeah. know, eventually you can walk our daughter down the aisle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sure." I mean, so, I mean... So we did. I got out. I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I mean, I still have, you know, I have stuff that kind of comes up, but nothing serious. Sure. So I think I got out at the right time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, again, an eight-year career being a running back, and, well, not only just being a running back, but mm-hmm. special teams is, oh. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. People don't know that, though. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> Full speed, contact. And see, yeah. and I'm going to get into it a little bit deeper, so, and I don't want to get too... Um, Anyways, so on kickoff team, I was a kickoff uh, specialist. So you have a you have wedge busters. I was a wedge buster. You usually put your most physical guy at that spot. So I was always the biggest and fastest. So I was always a wedge buster. No matter what team I was on, that's what I played. And um, so I was down there running down there full speed, busting wedges. You know, big 300-pound, because they put linemen back there in those wedges. And uh, I was so grateful. 2010, they changed the rules up. After a lockout, they changed some rules up. I think that extended my career because I couldn't I couldn't have kept doing what I was doing. Um, but, yeah, the physical toll is something serious. I'm just glad that whole lockout in 2010 kind of changed things up a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I guess because the rule change, you could have, like, what, three four. or four? You could four? have four. Yeah. No, you could have as many as you wanted, really. Oh, okay. Yeah. But most teams did four. Did four. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they changed it. You could only do two, two or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, easier, it's easier to get around two than Four, you're sure. not getting through there. Oh, gosh, you, the, yeah. Your only choice is Literally to blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 300 pound guys yeah. in a wall. I mean, it's like, you know, as long With as With two, house, you, you get know? one little head fake, you can get around it. Yeah. <laughs> so our first year out was amazing because that first year, what people don't realize is when they're playing, I mean, we, um, like even for Christmas, uh, we'd have to put up like a mobile Christmas tree. But it was our first year that we got to be home and set right. up decorations and lights outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just amazing just to be home in that time with our family. Yeah. You know, your Were first you guys year. back here? Did you come back here right away? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. might have left that night. Were you ready, Christine? Were you ready? For him to be done? Mm-hmm. No, I knew his last year... Um, was the first year that I saw that he just didn't love the game anymore. Mm-hmm. So the him playing fullback, I just knew he was done. Yeah, I'll elaborate on that done. because that's kind of big, and that's another thing is I know you guys have always heard like if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. It started feeling like work. Yeah, yeah. like 
And he used to come home and just absolutely just excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know? I kind of lost my passion for the game. Yeah, no, so you that did. Was kind of, yeah, that was a big part you, of it, too. I mean, you just did not enjoy playing fullback. I was going up there just hitting all day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, you know, not on that, that physical level, but, you know, we can relate. You know, I think we, you know, we talked a little bit about this. We both used to be teachers, and that's what brought us to Houston. Uh, and I was a teacher for five years, Elizabeth was a teacher for six years, and for the majority of the time, just absolutely loved it, would come home from school and just thought, that's all we could think about, like, oh man, like, how, what can we do next? Yeah, you know, awesome. waiting for yeah. the kids, whatever. And then, you know, similar circumstances in terms of, you know, something had changed, or maybe we're looking, you know, beyond, you know, there's other things on the horizon, and yeah, there were, we're not just completely in love with it anymore and so you know and we can we can empathize yeah because sure. i feel like if you're not passionate about it, it's not worth doing because mm-hmm. you're not going to give it everything you got yeah and, and I'm, no go ahead yeah. it's definitely a, a scary step where we i was talking about that earlier today the fear right of of leaving what's comfortable even if you are miserable in it no matter what you're doing the yeah. fear of that is is huge because yes. you just don't know what's next and you also don't know what other people are going to say about the decision that you're making. And when I quit my teaching job, I didn't tell my parents because I couldn't handle like the naysayer. And that's just little old me, you know, quitting a teaching job. But it's scary you have to, to take appreciate that. that though, like from the mm-hmm. outside, like when you think of all that stuff you just said, you're just mm-hmm. I can look at you and be like, man, you got some guts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you you knew like the backlash mm-hmm. and, the, and the fear, and you just and you did it. Did it. Yeah, that's it cool. was it was kind of crazy, but the same <laughs> to you and and Andy did the same. I mean, and I think that that's the cool thing that I found in a lot of entrepreneurs is that many people took that scary jump and just gotta jump. But there's still so many people that won't <laughs> jump, and I think one of the things you know, speaking of encouraging, is just to encourage somebody. I mean, I'm not trying to tell everybody to go quit their job tomorrow, but really stay true to who you are and what's the right season yeah. in your life for the things okay. that you're doing and um, it sounds like you guys really honored that and that's a really crucial thing to honor and to recognize because no it's doubt. hard and I'm sure leaving something like the NFL had to have been a very difficult thing to really like do and, and, no, yeah. and embrace but you knew and you just said I'm done mm-hmm. I gotta go yeah, yeah. And we were thankful for the eight years that he was able to play. Okay, I wasn't supposed to be in one year. No, so we were super (laughs) thankful. Like, Mm -hmm. super thankful. And, you know, every team we played on, we just tried to be a light, you know, while we were there for that Mm -hmm. season of our life. And being grateful is that that undertone that you always have to have. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's Mm right. So talk about how you met. So I... (laughs) We are so nerdy. You guys... So you guys have been, you're not old by any stretch of the imagination, but your relationship, you guys have been together for quite a while. So talk a little bit about how, how you met and then over the course of going to college, uh, you know, Jackie, you being in the NFL and traveling around trying to make that work. And, you know, Christine may not, you know, of course, at first you probably weren't going you know, to no, Kansas City and to Dallas. Because you were like, man, I, I don't even know if I'm going to... I'm Tuesday and I might be out of here. Yeah. So, so maybe don't come up here. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. So talk a little... So talk about your relationship, kind of how sure. it got started. And then, you know, how yeah. you... Of course, so, you know, you got married eventually, of course. So, so we met in the eighth grade. And we we were just best friends. And, um, oh my goodness, we have so many memories. But um, we met at Deerbrook Mall yes. in front of Tilt. You know what Tilt is? No, it's like an, it's arcade. an arcade. There we have them no more. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was an arcade in the mall. Yeah, it was a, a mutual friend. He knew you, Brandon knew yes. you, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, how did he know you though? Y'all went to different schools. I don't remember. He knew everybody at that yeah. time. Knew you. Um, but yeah, he introduced that. us at uh, in front of Tilted Deerbrook Mall. We, <laughs> yeah, we became yeah we became friends and yeah. we just hit it off and we were always best friends. We dated once in high school. Yeah. And that was weird. That was super weird. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> no, it was super weird Cause, cause because we were, we were best friends. Sure. So it was like dating your brother uh, or your sister. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ugh. It, it took us a long time to kiss for the first time. Yeah, I think the first time we dated, it took us about two months. We were like, this is not for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we started dating again, sophomore year of college. Yeah. Yeah, and then we've been together ever since then. Ever since. Yeah. Two kids later. Yeah. yeah. So we got over that bump yeah. quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've been together ever since, and just, it's amazing being married to your best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, both went to University of Houston. So, no, no I went no, to that's Houston right. Baptist. That's right. Yeah. That's I went right. to Houston Baptist University, and I actually taught for two years before we got married. So I taught high school and a secondary she education. She was a beast of a teacher. She got, um, so she got, <laughs> I know, so, well, <laughs> first off, she was one of the few people I knew that went to school to be a teacher. Uh-huh. Like, she majored in pedagogy. Most people go to school for something else, and then... I double like, oh, I'll go get my certification and be a teacher. She most. went to school. Yeah, that's most. Yeah. That's most. Yeah. She was like the only person I knew that went to school to be a teacher and then like taught. I love kids. So like, and so she her first year she got um, rookie teacher of the year, nice. which was voted on by the by the uh, staff, and then she got homecoming teacher of the year, which was voted on by the students. So it was kind of wow. cool to see like everybody like liked her. I was like, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, all these kids just want you to love on them. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what you know. What and you talk about how I'm sorry to cut you no, off because it's cool because you talk about like how like her teaching it prepared her for the moment what we're in now because mm-hmm. what she did as a teacher is what we're doing now. Like she wasn't just like one of those teachers that was there just to get a check and just gave them worksheets. Sure, she loved every kid. She wanted to bring every kid home, mm-hmm. and she taught in a she taught oh in a gosh, she taught in a low income school. Yeah. So she, she, I mean, the, the, you know. I had kids call me mom. Yeah. No. They were coming from very adverse circumstances. Yeah. And they just had nothing but, because she was like probably the only person that showed, that loved them mm-hmm. genuinely. Mm-hmm. So they, they revered her. I mean. Um, I remember I had a kid, this kid was disrespectful to me. And I had another kid come in and say, uh, Ms. Tatman, do you, need, do you need me to take care of him? I said, I don't know oh what that gosh. means, but please do not oh, take care was, of this kid. I scored a lot of games. I think <laughs> oh, I scored a lot of games in it. So, like, she was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's not do that. Yeah, let's, let's not I don't know where that. you're going with that, but we're going to scratch it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, so I was <laughs> high school for two years, and then we decided, um, um, we got engaged my, during my second year of teaching. And then my dad married us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that was really? so beautiful. Cool. Yeah. And um, thankful that he was able to do that for yeah. us. And mm-hmm. just be that. Um, and then my dad just cried when we left to oh, yeah. uh, Kansas Kansas City. City. We drove together to Kansas like, City. He was like, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did. I was like, he's in good hands, man. <laughs> 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 That's your new father-in-law. Like, yeah. oh, gee, thanks. Oh my God, I'm gonna take care of our career. <laughs> we're just super close. My family, we're just all super, super close. And um, but I'm thankful for them. Yeah, super thankful for them. They're a great family. Mm-hmm. So very supportive. Yeah. So clearly, faith is a big thing in your life. Obviously, 
Um, talk about where that starts from. It, you know, was it family? Was it a sure. you know? For some people, it's a choice that they made later in their life. They weren't exposed to it mm-hmm. when they were you know kids or growing up or whatever. Yeah. So talk about how faith is ingrained in your life, but then also now, of course, with philanthropy. Sure. And that's a lot of what spoke to you. So talk about you know your faith and how that's important and, and how you guys use that in your daily life. Well, you kind of summed it up. You, like she was brought up in a Christian home. I mean, that's how she grew up. Or down. Very with Christian. Pastor. I didn't know who Michael Jackson oh, God, was until yeah. I was in high school. I can name off every Christian artist. I was like, I was like, I was like, kids in Africa with no radio and TV know who Michael Jackson is. And here you are in America, don't know who Michael Jackson is. I so, am serious. So I would My have to say never that. Never let us listen to anything. So I was, but yeah, music. I was, I wasn't a believer, and she was. So I'm guilty of exposing her to a lot of stuff that she had never been exposed to, like a lot of stuff, not all good. Most of it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. Most of it wasn't good because I, I wasn't always the person I am today. <laughs> um, but yeah, she grew you were up. You're always a great person. I just knew yeah. how much yeah. more amazing you could be in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get saved till 2012, 2010 or 2012. I get them confused. I want to say 2012. Um, 2011. 11. Oh yeah. 2011. You really became all in. Yeah. So what happened was with me was, um, they have this conference called pro athletes outreach or PAO. And every year it's, it's, uh, and they do it by sport. So they have an NFL conference and an NBA conference and a baseball conference. Um, so one of my teammates invited me and Christine to this conference, and it's cool because he they pay for the whole thing. Like he paid for he paid. I mean, it was like so they sponsored us. And they the sponsored phone, us. Like pay for flights, hotels, the cost of conventions, pay for everything. And uh, mm-hmm. so I go there and I get to hear all these speakers. It was amazing, y'all. Yeah, at, at the time but I didn't me, know who they were. Let me backtrack just a little bit. Um, the first year of our marriage, I was praying for him to be that spiritual leader for our family, mm-hmm. and because that's what my dad was growing up. My dad went to seminary, and he was always in the ministry growing up. And I just wanted him to be that for our family, especially before we started having children. Our dad's at the bar really high. I would um, <laughs> really high. I we should elaborate yeah. on that a little bit, but um, you know, I I just wanted that um, so badly. So I remember reading the power of praying wife. And it's mm-hmm. such a, it's so beautifully written. And I just, um, instead of just nagging him and nagging him, I wanted him to, um, to have a personal relationship with Jesus on his own. I didn't mm-hmm. want him to right. do it for me because then it's not real, right? Well, it's not personal. And it's not personal. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was just in constant prayer and then it was just so amazing to see this family sponsor us to go. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was a total Because he was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but um, so we go to this conference and um, I go out there and so I, I wasn't in the Christian world, so I didn't know any of these speakers. Now that I'm Amazing. looking back, I'm like, man, that was kind of a big deal. It was like, you know, Tony Evans, it was some of the biggest, Louis Giglio, Francis yeah. Chan. Um, it was the most. It was. It, it was pretty much all the most well-known pastors like in Miles the country. McPherson. They were all there, but yeah. I didn't know who they were. You know, sure. I was just like, sure. oh, okay, preachers. And it was a whole conference just centered, yeah. and the focus was on Jesus Christ, and it was just amazing. Um, you know, we were. They were going over like what a biblical man looks like, what a biblical wife looks like, what does that look like in the realm of marriage, and it was just so amazing. Well, it was cool because um, you go there and it's nothing but football players. Like that was it. There's no civilians. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Fans. So it's just football players, and it's really cool mm-hmm. because the experience is we got to talk to other people that are going through the same thing as us, and you don't like I couldn't come home and talk to my friends about what we're going through in our marriage playing football like they can't relate sure. so a lot of us had the same issues same problems it was cool to get like mentored and guidance from people that were going through the exact same stuff 
Um, so we were just bearing each other's burdens, and it was really cool. And um, everything just made sense. I just had complete clarity once I left there. And yeah, I gave. I, he stopped cussing. He started praying with me every day, and it was just amazing. Oh, it was His like a whole, light switch went on. I yeah. mean, just for him to pray with me was huge. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. So I'm super thankful. Yeah. So there we have it. And PAO. What does that stand for? Again? Pro athletes outreach. Pro athletes outreach. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. That's very cool. It's a crucial part of marriage, right? I mean, like, because we both, you know, come from faith and grew up in that, and so that wasn't quite. We don't have quite the same journey, but we never used to pray like out loud together. We always right. just kind of did it on our own, and now it's like a thing for us, and it's amazing, like. That's just a really cool time, and it's a really cool um, connection. And I think that you know when you do that and you put that out there, and you both hear what you're praying for, it it really just strengthens your marriage and what you're working towards, mm-hmm. and how you can support that person and yeah. all those things. Yeah, it makes you feel tighter knit that you're that you're actually a team. And I mean, that was one of the things that we first started talking about. Was look we are we are in this together. That's right. And I and so we started dating at a distance. Elizabeth lived in North Carolina. I was here in Houston. We did we dated uh, for more than a year uh, at a distance. And so we knew that we had to be a team. We had to be together uh, in this. We had to have this you know bond of trust or whatever. And and we really didn't. We we've been together for almost ten years now. And it hasn't really been until the last probably eighteen months, two years that we started praying together. And it's just. It's just like a whole other level, yeah. and you know, you're you're like you think you're doing pretty that. good, you know, with yourself. Like, oh, you know, we've got good jobs. You know, Elizabeth's opening this company. We're we're doing really good, and then there's you 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 continue to challenge yourself and open yourself up to new things. And like, well, because I, I remember like she would be very specific about what she prayed for. It's like, ah, oh, that's not really my thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but then so she's like, well, at least let's you know pray with each other. I was like, oh, man, that's got weird. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But now that we do it, it's it is. It's like a whole other level. Um, I know what's on her mind. It takes she knows relationship what I'm deeper. On. Exactly. And you get to know yeah. what people are grateful for, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You get to know what burdens them, which mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is not going to be shared just in conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and just to get to know your spouse on a much deeper level. Matter of fact, the Bible says, "Know your wife." It's not just like knowing, like, "Oh, I know you." Mm-hmm. No, it means know your wife, yeah. mm-hmm. like know her. And the, one of the only ways to do that is by hearing your wife's burden or spouse. I'm just, I'm just talking to you, but <laughs> hearing your spouse's burdens, her what she's what she's grateful for, um, the things that she that she desires, the things she needs, the things that she wants. That's knowing your wife, mm-hmm. knowing what triggers her, um, and all that comes from prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's such a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so blessed. <laughs> Well, we want to be respectful of your time. Um, talk, kind of put a bow on philanthropy for our listeners. Where can they find you if they want to check out, you know, the website? If they want to stop by, and and I guess you know, Jackie, you're the face of the store, so I'll if they want to come by, no. <laughs> say hello, talk, uh, kind of recap a little bit about philanthropy and um, um, you know how they can, how how people can can get involved and how people can you know buy the products, but then also because they're buying the products, they're having a chance to, to give back and make a deeper impact. Okay, well, you can find us on Market Street at um, nine five nine five Six Pines Drive in, in the Woodlands. Um, it's Unit thirteen sixty, closer to the ATB side. Um, we're kind of on the side of Market Street where nobody goes, so I have to say by Market <laughs> by, by ATB. Um, 
But uh, yeah, you find us online philanthropyfashion.com. Uh, Instagram is philanthropy the woodlands. Um, yeah, we just love to meet everybody. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when you come into our shop, we don't we don't have there's no commissions. We're not trying to sell you stuff. Um, we of course, we want money. you. I think the biggest thing with us is we tell our mission. If people want to support it, they do. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. We don't have um, some big fancy business plan. Yeah. We just share with people our ministry, and then they buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we just we just share our hearts, and if people want to support, man, thank you. Yeah. If you thank don't, you. We are we're, we're praying great. for you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, come by, stop. We'll be there mostly in the morning. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Anything else? We are so grateful for you guys. Oh, thank you for having being us. here with us and. Well, letting us come to your home yeah. and, and sharing your story, we just are so, so grateful for both of you. And we I know that everything that you've said and shared will be impactful to those that have listened. And so thank you for your time and sharing your home and um, your sweet kids putting, you know, letting <laughs> just being patient <laughs> they with us. Good. Thanks to them. Yeah. They were wonderful. So thank you guys so much. Well, thank you so much for having us. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, then be sure to check us out every Wednesday for our latest episode. Visit us at eversoncooper.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes or any other podcast player. Thanks for listening.